Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Front Page 305. All right, we're back. Front Page 305. This is Walter V. I'm joined by my co-host, Andre Fernandez. And the first thing I have to say is roll tide. I saw, what you, I saw what you did there, uh, Frankie. I, saw, I, I, I got that one. Tua. Sweet home, Alabama. We had a whole different show prepared when I saw the news. Andre actually texted me with the news, a report from ESPN, Adam Schefter, who knows everything before anybody else knows it, that Tua is the new starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. I told Frankie, hey, play uh, sweet home, Alabama. Let's get roll tide, roll Dolphins in here. And so Andre, I call Andre now Andre Nostradamus Fernandez because he correctly predicted before the playoffs, the Major League Baseball playoffs even began, correctly predicted Tampa Bay Rays, Los Angeles Dodgers. But I don't think he saw this coming. Andre, what's your first reaction to this uh, decision by the Dolphins? I'm, a, I'm really happy. I'm surprised, though. I'm surprised how fast it happened. But in a way, I'm glad because we need to move forward and find out what this kid's made of. You know, every time I see Justin Herbert spiraling the football down the field, I'm like, all right, when's, when's it going to be Tua's turn? You know, Joe Burrow. And the, the funny part is on Sunday, I'm here. I'm probably the only person that wasn't jumping for joy doing jumping jacks because I'm looking at this and I'm and I'm actually giving a grumpy response to you guys because I'm like, really? You're putting this guy in there for two handoffs, two throw and on, on a throwaway drive at the end of the game. I mean, I know everybody's happy for him and he got his feet wet, whatever. But I'm like, put him in at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Get him some real action. Finally get this guy on the field. But now, in in half an hour, literally half an hour that we just found out about this, it's like a, a complete 180 for me. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I'm excited. At the very least, you have Fitzpatrick there. If maybe if things don't go too well, you can always, like, you know, work with the kid little by little the way they have been. But I think it's time, you know, especially coming off a of bye week, he's going to have two full weeks to really prepare, to really game plan with the first team and everything going forward and it's, it's an exciting time I mean, a couple of weeks ago you guys were like ah we don't care about the dolphins well guess what three and three one game out of first and it's Tua. yeah it was funny because andre i think uh based on that uh success and picking the uh the playoffs correctly uh he was a little full of himself perhaps and he was telling me no it's not going to happen because i started texting i saw the situation yeah this is a good time to put two in i said i started just texting Tua, Tua, Tua. And I was so I told Andre I was kind of throwing a stick at the bear because I know Andre gets very gets very upset when I uh, pick on him like that and say his predictions were wrong, and so I started saying and then he goes well he's only going to hand that ball off I go and then he throws a pass I, no, two passes and then he goes well I guess you're wrong about that, but uh, it is a surprise, Dre you you encapsulated it perfectly you said that bye week when I at first I'm like what are they doing even though I've been wanting them to play two up from the beginning but the bye week is crucial to get that extra time. Uh, thank the Jets also for sucking as bad as they always do for for letting uh, Tua get a you know a couple that of reps in there. Yeah, that was part of why I was upset because I'm like, really? I'm like, the freaking you know not even CFL Jets and you can't get the guy in there for a quarter. I mean, come on. But, right. Yeah. But so so that part made a little sense. Also wrote down here, scribble some notes. This is last year's stats, Ray, at at Alabama, seventy one point four percent completion percentage i know yeah. he's with a great team but he's also playing great comp the best competition in the country in the sec you know how many touchdowns how many interceptions it was something sick i can't remember the exact numbers but i remember barry jackson was constantly uh tweeting about it and how yeah. accurate he was 33 touchdowns three picks 2800 yards just as a little reminder yeah. of what the kid can do um i didn't know why it took this long because i saw him 
uh, on on highlight tapes in terms of practice, moving around really well. What was what was the hesitation? Um, the timing of it. The one thing that I agree with the bye week. That's the perfect time to do it. What makes it a little bit awkward is they've won two games in a row. As you mentioned, the Bills have come down to earth. The Patriots are not the Patriots of old. You know, with Brady, uh, Cam Newton had the, um, the the Corona setback, and so here they are alone in second place. Only one game out of the first first place. Fitzy has has put the team on his back and gotten them there. And now you're going to tell Fitz to sit down. And I know he yeah. was cheering for Tua and everything like that on the sidelines, but this can't this this can't feel very good for Fitzpatrick. And, and I feel bad for him. Look, I think it was the right move all along because there is no future to Fitzpatrick. We've seen what he is. He's good enough yeah. to, you know, maybe win eight, nine games, but the timing of it is weird to me. Well, here's the thing, though, and I kind of, in a weird way, I'm kind of glad the Dolphins are thinking this way because it reminds me of the balancing act the Marlins had to make where you're still thinking of the future, but you want to kind of contend. Maybe they're looking at it from a realistic lens like we are where yeah they're three and three yeah they're better but how far are we really going to go this year and we need to get we need to get the ball rolling with this kid we need to get him going so whatever you go you 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 pick the perfect spot a two-week span right here where he can get ready and you put maybe he's on a short leash maybe maybe and not just too short leash but maybe it's a thing where if it's a disaster and he looks like he's not ready you can always pull back and Fitzy's there, and we've seen how supportive Fitzy's been, very, you know, laid back about the whole situation, cheering for him on the sideline the whole day. This isn't a thing where you're pissing off Fitz. Fitz knows what he was getting into. I don't know about that. He was all happy when he, the guy's getting pl- garbage time. I mean, truth serum. Well, then why is he cheerleading for him when he gets in? Because because he's just getting a minute at the end. But when you're benching the guy, a truth serum, if we're at home with well, his 17 children and his, and his long beard – I don't, think he's that happy about this. I don't think he's happy about this. Well, one uh, thing, one thing too, and I think this plays a lot into the health factor and, you know, and what we were saying about is his hip. Okay. Whatever. I think one big key to all this too, is the way that the Dolphins offensive line has played the way they've looked there. We mentioned, I mentioned that the other day where after the, um, after the win over the 49ers, they've given up only, I think it's, I don't know how many sacks the Jets got, but it's still very few compared to last year. The rookies in on the upfront on the O-line have played really well. So it's not like you're throwing him into a situation where you're scared that he's going to be running for his life, you, you hope, every two minutes. At least based on the way they've played the first six games, you're putting him behind some protection now where this offensive line hopefully can at least keep him upright. And, and you know, he's, again, where it's the risk factor of him getting hurt is is minimized at least where they feel a little more confident in that so i think that also played into the role into the decision as well except that the first game out of the break literally could be a break because the guy could break him like a twig is aaron donald the best and most True. ferocious defensive tackle in the game of the los angeles rams and it's going to be interesting because yeah Tua played against great competition in the sec but this these are the big boys now yeah, and, and I and I know you know the Dolphins and Dolphins fans are going to be uh, you know their heart's going to be in their mouth every time the kid takes off for a run. I don't think he's going to change well, his style. That's going to be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, and and you and you saw it on the one on the on the one pass he did roll out and make the throw a simple throw, but you saw the mobility there. So it was a glimpse, and he got hit. So which was also in a way good to see because you want to see him get up from that and 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 shake it off. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he was medically cleared all along. You thought that they weren't that, that he wasn't medically cleared. I, I don't think they would 
they would put him out there for two plays even if well, he wasn't medically well, cleared. Well, I don't know if he wasn't medically cleared, but I wonder if they were still very cautious about it. I think maybe they were kind of like, hmm, I don't know, you know, let's give it more time. Remember the whole Manny brought that up too, the whole time frame that it was gonna need for an injury like that to really, really, really be okay for him. But it looks like he he is. So I mean, let's roll. I mean, I, I I'm all for it. It's, it is going to be a challenge, though, because Aaron Donald's in the backfield like almost every play in the games I've seen for the Rams. By the way, you mentioned Manny. Of course, that's the great Manny Navarro, our our colleague and our, still our brother, uh, who came up with this concept, the front page 305. The name is his. The idea to do this was three good friends from the days of the Miami Herald when I was the editor and Manny and, and Andre wrote for me. And Manny is doing literally, he's obviously he's the, the writer for the athletic and we're going to have him on Andre in our second segment to talk Miami hurricanes football. But yeah, just, I, I was wondering when our ring announcer was going on, like he always does every week. I'm, I'm like, we lost the Chuleta. What are we going to do now? How are we going to replace that? Yeah. I told, I told Frankie, our great producer that, that we probably need to kill that, but yeah. There you, there you we go. Can, we can cue that in the next segment when Manny. Comes yeah, that's in. what I told Frankie to do. But, but no, I just wanted to say that this was all his doing. This his his idea, his brainstorm to have this this uh, this show, and he's doing. Obviously, he's the writer for the Athletic, uh, covering the Miami Hurricanes, and then he's got like I think I counted up about twelve hours of radio and podcast he's doing a week. So this was too much, but he's nice enough to join us. Um, in the second segment, we'll talk a little Hurricanes football. I wanted uh, Andre to bring in Frankie for a second, our, our producer. Frankie, can you give us your your huge Dolphins fan? You're you're Mr. 305. What was your reaction? What, you, what, what, what were you? What did you look like at 11:30 today when that tweet popped up? Uh, my eyes were wide open. My jaw was on the floor because we had just finished talking about how we didn't think Tua was ready. How he was this project that the Dolphins kind of just picked up because there was nobody really necessarily. Up there in that, in up there to help them out in the with the number fifth pick. So we figured they just kind of took a a waiver on this guy to try to build him up and make a project out of it. But it sucks to see Herbert going in. But then again, remember Herbert only got his opportunity because he was Wally pipped. If it wasn't for Tyrod Taylor getting an injection and a punctured lung, yeah. he wouldn't. We probably wouldn't even see Herbert right now. That 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 that, that syringe man changed the Chargers' destiny. And I see. Uh, do I see why is Larry, Larry, Larry's going to get dizzy from shaking his head? I'm wondering why. What, yeah. What's his take? He Let's bring Larry take on in here. Give his, his passionate take. No what doubt. good reason would they possibly have to start Tua when Fitzpatrick's playing as well as he's played in the last six, eight seasons? Why would they do this? They're ruining the AFC East championship, is what you're saying right now. The, the, the one that they're on course for, the winner after Josh Allen just goes completely in the crapper for the rest of the season. They're a game behind, Andre. They're right in the thick of it, baby. They are right now. But you know, 10 weeks left. What's interesting, it's kind of like timing is everything. In our, in our third and final segment today, we're going to talk with Andre, who's a Marlins and baseball expert. We're going to talk about uh, the World Series, well, how he sees that breaking down since he correctly pegged the, uh, the, the two participants, but also talk about the Marlins. And that's another case of timing. We'll get to that in our last segment. But you know, they, they, they decided not to not to retain Michael Hill. And most people a year ago would have said, yeah, that's the right thing to do. But they do it after they make the playoffs. So just weird timing. We're going to we're going to talk about all that stuff. And we've got Manny Navarro coming up, Andre. Are you ex excited to talk to the boy about some hurricanes? See, he's at a, on a Zoom podcast or Zoom rather with some hurricanes players and find out what he knows. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This 
is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do all would, of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last up. one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? Hang up on us. Just tell me, no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. Because I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He platanos. on us. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. What's up, everyone? This is Tua Tungavailoa, and you're listening to Slam Radio. 
now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, we're back. And I believe we have uh, Manny Navarro on the line. Manny, are you there? Manny, you too late. Wow. Manny, it's Tua time. <laughs> Did you say that like Armando? Was that the Armando Salguero accent? Though? Tua! He wasn't that, like, that he or from now that on. Name out loud, but yes. You know how they do the uh, send of a woman thing at the stadium? And they're like, Hua! I'm just going, Tua! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Manny, uh, we, I had Frankie play too legit to quit because you quit, but Andre, he's too legit to quit. He had the World Series peg uh, completely accurately while you had an embarrassing uh, prediction of Cincinnati Reds and Cleveland Indians who, who bowed out in the first round. I don't think that either one even won a game. Well, I, I wouldn't call it embarrassing, Walter. I would call it more like I have the actual guts to uh, not just go chalk. You know, everybody wants to go chalk. Oh, they just pick the two best teams, the two number one teams. They call chalk accurate. <laughs> That's true. That's true. What were some of your other really bad predictions this year on our shows? So you had the Marlins saying they wouldn't make the playoffs for 20 years, then they make the playoffs. Right. Uh, help, help me Did out. Did they, though? Did they really, though? I'm doing the John well, Oliver thing, what he calls. Well, so, I, I, I would say this. Uh, I don't know if any prediction is worse than the Jalen Warsham leading the Hurricanes in receptions. I think he's played one yes. stop on Wait, is, isn't yes. it? What, J, would you call him Jalen Warsham? Isn't it some? Doesn't no, he? Yeah. The, the Zalen. Yeah. The Zalen. The Zalen Oh, the Zalen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it must, be, it must be the phone connection. That was a terrible prediction. I'm the next guy to get bounced out of the show. It'll be just Andre. It's just the show is going to go to the, pre, the, the people who make the best predictions. And that's so it's Andre's show after this week. I believe that's the way it's going to happen. Boy. But uh, predictions aside, Manny, you just were you know, finishing up a Zoom call with the Hurricanes. Tell me two things. One, what's the status with tight end Brevin Jordan? Is he ready to rock and roll against Virginia? And two, what did you? What was the best thing you you um, you heard in this uh, these Zoom calls with the players? Well, as far as Brevin is concerned, we didn't have any coaches on today, so uh, no 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 uh, questions related to that in terms of. Uh, or answers related to that because the players were on there. We had Lou Headley. Uh, who else did we have? We had uh, Quincy Roche. We had Jared Harrison Hunt. And uh, I forgot who the fourth guy was. This is how memorable it was. So Corey Flagg was the other one, the linebacker. Um, so we talked to those guys. The most interesting thing, Jared Harrison Hunt, I asked him because, you know, he's a former basketball player. I asked him, who is the best player on the team? And as confident as he is in himself, he actually said Jeremiah Payton, the wide receiver, is the best basketball player on the team. Also said that Avery Huff is an incredible dunker. So, I mean, I got a scouting report in terms of uh, basketball skills and athleticism and guys that I would pick up to, uh, to play hoops with. Right. So, so guys that Larinaga needs uh, this coming season pretty much? He might have actually won more games last year if he had these guys playing basketball. Who knows? Yeah. Right. So you didn't get any good football scoops, but you got a, a ton of great basketball material. That's uh, that's classic. I mean, did you ask Harrison Hunty if he really had that football? Because I thought that was a turnover on uh, that last game in that in that scrum and they, and they gave it to Pitt. Yeah, I, we didn't get into the details of who got the uh, the recovery. Um, I think the guys are, are, you know, they're just happy that they're winning games at Miami and that they're 4-1 and, and and not losing the teams like Pitt, who, you know, let's not forget last year, 
six six losses to teams that were underdogs, including your FIU Golden Panthers, who were a twenty one point underdog. So the right. team is just it's baby steps, Walter. I mean, it is, before individual accolades and first round picks, you, you have to graduate from losing to really bad teams to just beating them barely. Right. Uh, yeah, you, you texted me during that game. What did you text me? That they're bad, the Hurricanes are bad. Very negative, very negative text. I mean, they won. They won. That was a convincing victory. Negative Navarro. Yeah, it was that 21 was... to 16, and they had just punted the ball back. I think Jair uh, King had thrown two interceptions. It wasn't looking hmm. good for them. And then all of a sudden, you know, the defense comes up with a huge play to, to kind of shift the momentum back, and they were able to keep it an arm's distance. Right, well – Let's talk about that because the one thing I've been harping on for now for two or three weeks this year, very as much of a Hurricanes fan as I am and I'm rooting for them for decades, is the wide receivers. This may be the worst I can remember having, you know, this is a school that brought us Michael Irvin and, and Brett Perriman and Kevin Williams and all these people. And these wide receivers just will not fight for the ball. Even on that first interception, tackle, tackle the Pittsburgh DB and, and break it up. Even if you get called for the offensive pass interference, like, so my question is, are they, I know he's a new coach. He's a good coach, has a good reputation. Is he doing a good job with these guys? Um, why has he or, or Manny Diaz, why have they been so reluctant to, to try the, the younger? They brought in four freshmen. Keyshawn has looked really good in the brief moments. You know, so I guess answer, I asked you about 10 they, questions there. but And they, and they, and they opened it for, to a competition supposedly this week, right, at the, at the position too. They didn't, wasn't there a report about that also? Yeah, they, they basically made everything an or on the depth chart. But, you know, the depth chart is about as valuable as, as uh, I don't know what, some, something or not favorite. valuable. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I would say this, uh, a lot more snaps this week for, for the freshmen involved. They, they, you know, in terms of the receivers, your boy Keyshawn uh, Smith, uh, you're very excited about. He got more opportunities uh, this week. Um, you know, Mark Pope actually played a better game. What they need is just one one guy to be a, a downfield threat, a guy who, like you mentioned, is going to fight for those 50-50 balls and, you know, convert third downs. Because Derek King and, and, you know, the receivers are really good at throwing the ball, you know, right to the left or right to the right. Like quick little screens, uh, quick little dump-offs. It's connecting downfield and the intermediate passes that, that's the issue. And so – um, you know, I think Derek's value is huge in terms of setting up like tight ends and running backs. Like he's really good at getting the safeties to, to bite that he's going to run. He does that little drop step move, um, yeah. and it creates space in the middle of the field. But on the outside, you need you need that Michael Irvin, you need that Reggie Wayne, you need one of those dudes to show up. And my money is on Jeremiah Payton or Keyshawn Smith being uh, one of those two guys. Keyshawn, I don't want to keep thinking of Bart Scott thing when he was like. Keyshawn, or calling him out. When, when you said Walter remembers is, that. Yeah, when you said is as useful as I don't know what. I know that I know the way Andre's brain was working. He was thinking of a line from Kill Bill right there. Right, Dre? Am I right? Yeah, we can't say it on the air, but but uh, yeah, it's Man, very What's the what's the should we be worried level against Virginia? Since we're talking always every week, we're on pins and needles. Like, please don't screw this up. Is Miami in danger of an upset? Tell us about the Cavs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, uh, should you be worried if you're, as a Hurricanes fan, that should always be on 11. That should always be on 11, right? Because uh, <laughs> you, you don't have a bunch of number one picks walking up and down this roster. And, 
it's still like you still have to go out there and figure it out and win. I, I would think Miami. Look, they're favored by what eleven points here against Virginia. Prime uh, time game points. too. What's that? Prime time game, eight o'clock. That's the other interesting one, especially against an opponent like this. Right, and, and the last couple of games with them have been nip and tuck. Uh, I think Miami won seventeen to nine, and they lost sixteen to thirteen up in Charlottesville. I was up there for that game. Um, look, Virginia, their issue is quarterback. They've got three different guys right now that they're sort of rotating in at that spot. Um, and, and the guy who started against Clemson, uh, Brennan, uh, has been hurt. And so they're in a situation where I, I think the quarterback position is a little iffy. But, again, defensively, Bronco Mendenhall is one of the best coaches in the country. He's got a really good team. He's got uh, a front seven with lots of experience. He's got a secondary with a lot of experience, a lot of – you know, third and fourth year guys, you're playing an older team again. But Virginia just isn't as good as I, I think Pittsburgh is up front, particularly, you know, the defensive end. So I think this is a game where Miami should have more success running the ball. That's the expectation. And if they do, that'll make their team's job a little bit easier and, and they should be able to win this game. But again, I, I don't put Miami at the point yet where they're past an upset loss or, or dropping a game that they shouldn't. No, I mean, I'm not – I told Walter this week, until they clear – if and when they clear that two-game stretch where they have NC State and Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech's starting to look scary with that running game, you know, especially yeah. on the road, that way that game will be, then I'm not optimistic yet that, that, that they can even get that close to that rematch with Clemson. Yeah. yeah. I'm not worried about uh, Virginia at all. I think this is one of the weakest teams uh, on the schedule remaining. I will say – and I want to ask you something about that, Manny. But I will say that this year, you, you have any analysis of the of this team, you have to see that they've been pretty fortunate, right? I mean, they, uh, you know, I'm not saying Florida State would have beaten Miami, but look what they did, uh, upsetting North Carolina. I said Jordan Travis at that time. I says that's a guy they should be playing. Why they played that freshman kid who's terrible? I have no idea. And yeah. Jordan Travis is Jordan Travis reminds me a little bit of Derek King in the fact that I think Derek King is way better as a passer, but Jordan Travis is the type of kid who's a leader, who there's a running play and he's, he's blocking 30 yards downfield. He gets hit and he gets right back up. So gutsy, gutsy yeah, this weekend, you saw his shoulder was messed up that last quarter and he stuck it out, stuck it out and pulled off the I, win. His off shoulder. He might have had a separated shoulder. The, the kids, the kids got stones. And, and so they got lucky that Florida state didn't have their, their, their stuff together there. And then this past week, Kenny Pickett. Uh, he he was out. Now, if he plays, would that have been enough? I mean, Miami held him without a touch on the last two years. So I'm not saying Pitt would have beaten Miami, but it was still, if you're a Hurricanes fan, you're happy when the news came out just a little bit before game time that Kenny Pickett was going to be playing. Um, yeah, and so, I, I, I thought the quarterback, by the way, the kid who filled in, Joey Yellen, I thought he did a pretty good job. They just couldn't score points in the red zone. That's, that's why Miami won. Right. Yeah. And he had started for uh, for Arizona State a game last year. So he wasn't a complete novice and he wasn't he, he threw for 273. Uh, maybe that's more of an indictment of our secondary. But I guess, Manny, could you tell us and our thousands, if not millions of listeners, how do you rank the remaining teams on the Miami schedule? Toughest challenge to least tough challenge. I know it's off the top of your head, but would North Carolina still be atop that list or has Virginia Tech? more of a challenge yeah i think any team with an offense that can score points you have to sort of put them at the top of the list because i think you know that that really is the whole point of the game right score more points than the other team and i think uh 
I think Miami's defense, while it's, it's okay, uh, I, I think when they go against teams like Clemson or they go against uh, teams that, that have really, uh, you know, a lot of offensive firepower, that's where they're going to run into trouble. Um, because I think their defense will keep them in games, but, but they can certainly be beaten. Uh, so I would say North Carolina would be number one. Um, if I had to rank them in order, probably Virginia Tech, the second one, because that's a road game. Uh, then NC State, third. Uh, Wake Forest has some offensive playmakers. That's probably fourth. Uh, and then Georgia Tech, fifth. That's, that, that would be uh, the five. And then who else do they have? Am I forgetting somebody? Virginia? This week. Well, Virginia, Virginia this week, yes. I would say Virginia's probably the last one in the weakest because they are, uh, you know, their quarterback situation, they're literally rotating three guys, uh, and, and the numbers of those quarterbacks, which is bizarre. I'm going to actually have the Virginia beat writer on with me uh, tonight on, on my show on onsideradio.com, which I'm going to plug cheaply here. Um, they, they are uh, Their quarterback numbers are 36. 98 and 99. It's absolutely bizarre, but I guess Bronco Mendenhall does things. So when Miami fans tune in and they're looking on TV and they're saying, what the hell is 99 doing at quarterback? Uh, If you you want the answer, tune into my show tonight because I'm going to ask that very question to Mike Barber who covers them for the uh, the Royal you, you plug one of your shows. You have about 19 of them. You, you, you plug Wide Right, your great podcast uh, for The Athletic. Uh, you have the St. Thomas show. Uh, now we're dragging you into back into this show when you're trying to leave us. I mean, you know, you're a busy dude. I may not get any writing. I was a writer. I don't know if I still am. Technically, I've barely written since uh, I've gone on this radio venture. I'm sure George Rojas is, in fact, he's yelling at me because I got I to gotta start working on a tour story that they want. So, uh yeah that's the way that's the way life is well if you ask me who the scariest team left yeah carolina's up there but hooker and herbert that's the one that yeah that's what i just wanted to say hooker and herbert but that's definitely the one that's starting to that's definitely the one that's starting to scare me especially a road game down there in blacksburg i don't care what time of day it is that's going to be a tough one yeah i think miami's gonna lose two more games yeah Hooker, that I think he beat Miami in his first start, and and this year I'm not sure many of you dug too deep because that's not the next game on the schedule. But what happened there that he wasn't? He should have been the starter all along. I don't know if he had COVID or he had some other medical issue. Then I saw him on the sidelines. To me, he should have been the guy. So it's scary because they could they could gain some steam and and they could be a real tough challenge. And I think and I think North Carolina will be a tough challenge for for Miami. We'll see. Uh, in the remaining moments, uh, Navarro, I, I, I wanted to share something with you and get your reaction because uh, you have two young and wonderful daughters and, and they're the sweetest kids. And uh, I was speaking to Bob Jensen, uh, who owns a newspaper in Nebraska, and you remember him, right, Manny? Uh, we did some work for him years and years ago. So his daughter, Jesse, and I think Bob will probably be listening to this uh, uh to the show. And that's why I want to mention everybody who listens to our show. I want to give them a shout out because there's so many of them. But anyway, so I was asking what, what was it like? Because I have two young daughters and what was it like when the first time a boy knocked on the door and he told me a great story, man. He said, well, Jesse was 16 years old and, and it was prom and a boy knocked on the door and Bob answered the door <laughs> and he sat the boy down and he said, listen, you know, everything better go you know, the way it's supposed to go tonight, because if not, I'm not afraid to go back to prison. 
He said the kid's eyes got really big. And so I was wondering if you had thought about, you know, some kind of intimidation tactic you're going to have when the day, when that day comes. Manny, you're what, seven years away from that, give or take, right now? Yeah, Jonathan is nine right now, so she will be yeah. a teenager soon. So, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, the kids nowadays, I, Bob, Bob Vincent, I don't know how old he is, but uh, I'm guessing this is several years ago, um, you know, to, to have somebody knock on his door at 16. And nowadays, I think it happens at 13 or 14, which is even scarier. So, Yikes, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I know that uh, I have my brother-in-law has a very big gun collection. My thought is, you know, to go out shopping with him for a really big shotgun and just have it there waiting to intimidate uh, whatever boy knocks on my door. All you have to do is show him the body behind your, behind your desk. That's it. And just say, there that's, you go. The last guy, that's the last guy that went out with her. Right. Right. Exactly. I wouldn't mind rolling you up into that carpet if need be, and and uh, we can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a I have a spare blanket and I have room for another one. You want if, if if the job is yours, if you screw this up, that's what I would tell them. Let, let me tell you, man. Your your lovely wife Joanna. She might she might be the hitman here because she's nobody to be trifled with. So they, I I don't know if they're gonna be more intimidated by you or Joanna. Yeah. Well, I, I I would always be more afraid of Joanna. Her punches are definitely more impactful than mine. I I am uh, with all the years I've been typing and writing. I've got very weak uh, fists, Walvin. Like, like I can't really make it. Joanna, on the other hand, you know, she's always been stronger than me and will beat the crap out of me, which is why I listen to her so much. Well, Manny, thanks so much for joining us. We'll let you get back to your 13 uh, radio shows and podcasts and the two stories you write a week. And, uh, and after this, Andre Nostradamus Fernandez is going to pack a mean punch of his own talking baseball. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Here's that song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve. By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Well, you, have to, you forgot that. Oh, the two of us, we're building castles in the sky, just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. 
At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers, signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. This is Aaron Donald. Listen to Slam Radio. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. That last little promo there. This is Aaron Donald for Slam Radio. Please, por el amor de Dios, do not hurt two of please. In a Hoo-ha. week and a half. No me maten a Tua. <laughs> He's just a baby. Well. All right. We're back. Uh, Walter Villa along with Andre Nostradamus Fernandez. And I just got a, a text from a buddy of mine said that Lou Headley, the Miami Hurricanes, I guess during that Zoom call, says he wants to come back to the Hurricanes next year. And he's just been a revelation as a punter. So that's uh, he wants to get his degree. Who knew? So that's uh, he's, he's about 30 years old. But uh he wants Maybe. to stick around. We need the we need the other tattooed badass kicker to say the same thing, so we can keep so we can keep getting those fifty five yard field goals. Yeah, that's going to have to be his brother. I don't think uh, Jose Borregales is coming back, but his brother Andres, uh, great name, of course. All the Borregaleses can kick. I, I remember from covering them back in those their high school days. All the Borregaleses can kick. I'm not worried. Uh, next will be his sister, uh, Lucia. <laughs> they all they all can kick. I'm telling you. You'll come in and kick. Well, uh, our last segment, and uh, I want to I want to talk a little baseball here with Andre. Of course, a lot of experience covering um, the Marlins for the Miami Herald, the Athletic, and now Baseball America. He's all over the place, emulating uh, me, his mentor. I, and- I think Manny, wherever he is right now in his room, he just fell asleep. By the way, <laughs> yeah, maybe he didn't. He didn't like that baseball talk, but now I feel. Uh, uh, you know, unchained that I can just talk baseball. With he, he, he sensed that we were talking baseball and just automatically he just knocked out right now. Indeed. So, so Dre, I want to get, before we talk the, the world series and break that down that starts tonight, of course, um, I'm curious your thoughts on this Michael Hill decision. As I mentioned a little bit, the timing was weird. I don't know that necessarily people are objecting that Michael Hill is gone. How do you, how do you see it? Is this a good thing for the Marlins or a bad thing? I mean, I, I think it's almost, to me, it's a money thing. I think I wonder if, you know, the way they're, the way they talked about it, the way the command structure over there is set up now of where he wants to have, a, everybody wants to have a voice in it, you know, they're bringing their analytics director to give him a, a larger role in it, which doesn't surprise me, the push they've made the last few years on that, on that aspect of it. But that, a lot of this was already happening, I think. I mean, when you look, Gary Denbo, DJ Svillick, all those guys were, had a, had already had a say in a lot of important decisions over there, obviously under Jeter's watch and, and that sort of thing. And I'm not saying... 
Mike's role wasn't important because it was, and they're still going to hire a GM from the sound of it. But I wonder if it was more of a thing where because it's going to be this collaborative, collective sort of decision making, it allows you to go and get someone that's not necessarily uh, as it maybe as expensive as it could have been to keep Mike on. You know, maybe, uh, you know, not a big, big name GM like some clubs tend to do when they bring in a guy comes in, puts a stamp on the team and, you know, going forward, it's my way, whatever. To me, that's kind of where the surprise, it surprised me a little bit of the timing of it, but it was going to happen. This was it, contract year. We were talking about it for months. So, I mean, in terms of setup, I don't think it's going to, this isn't to diminish what Mike did, but just in terms of what they're doing going forward, I don't think it's going to change too drastically because a lot of the things they want, they're saying they want to do, I think we're already going on to a degree. Yeah. It seemed to me like they were, it, it was a money thing and that when they took over, when Jeter and company took over, they didn't want to fire Hill and pay him the money remaining. Might as well let him work, I guess. Yeah. And, and now, now that it's come and it's not really a firing, it's just they didn't retain his services and they just walked away. And really, the best, this is, you know who's his best for? You know who this works out great for? Him. Michael Hill. Him. Michael yeah. Hill, after so many years <laughs> of not making the playoffs, he gets to walk away and, and, you know, try to get a job with another team, which I think he probably will be able to, saying, hey, I took the Marlins to the playoffs for the first time yeah. in X amount of years. So it's he perfect, comes out, yeah. it's perfect for Michael Hill. Whether it'll be perfect for the Monarchs or not, we'll see. Do you have any, you mentioned uh, Dembo, and do you have any names from the outside? First of all, any names that you think you've heard in, in terms of rumors, or who, or if not, who do you think you would like to see? Uh, that's the first two questions. And my third would be, what is whoever they bring in, what do they need to do? I mean, I haven't really, a lot of names haven't jumped out yet. I mean, as far as Mike goes, I agree with you. It's a shame he couldn't get that Reds job that was out there until the other day because he, Mike's from Ohio. I thought that'd be the perfect landing spot for him. But, you know, he'll land somewhere. I'm sure it's somebody at any and perfect blast off point, like you said. But I, I don't know if anyone, because of the fact of what we were talking about before, because of the fact that this isn't going to be, you know, you jump in and, and you're the top decision maker it's going to be interesting to see what they can, who they can get. That'll be, that'll be comfortable with kind of sharing that a little bit with other people, especially guys that are already entrenched in there. that are all sort of like-minded, you know, you got to be part of the group. I mean, I, I got to think maybe it's someone, I wouldn't be surprised if it's yet another person that has ties to the Yankees in some capacity, someone that goes back with them, you know, for a long time and, and, and has that same philosophy. What they have to do is what we've talked about almost ad nauseum. They got to get some bats in the system. They got to continue to bring bats into the system. They have a few that we're still waiting to see if they pan out. I know we've talked about the JJ Bladez, Jesus Sanchez, you know, on and on, but they really need to continue to really attack the market, especially on the international side too, because I really dissected that Atlanta team and looking at what they've got. I mean, not just Acuna, not just Albies. Look at the playoffs before they got eliminated. Christian Pache looks like another guy, a stud in the making. That's another international signing, another big bat in the making for that team. And that's where, yeah, they have some good ones, but they don't, I don't see a great one yet, unless Blade really, really, really lives up to it and, and, and exceeds expectations. So that's to me the challenge of the GM or co GM, whatever he ends up being going forward, is to keep bringing that, that talent in on the hitting side to offset what they've been able to do on the pitching side. And you can't neglect the pitching side either because I know we like it. I know you and I have been, you know, in agreement that it's the strength of the team, especially the rotation.
But other than six, though, there's still no one that you, that has yet to really. And even six though hasn't proven it completely. But you, you, that doesn't scream stud pitcher. You know what I mean? So keep the process has to continue of talent acquisition on that end. Yeah, but their first round pick, remember we uh, Meyer, they haven't brought him into the fold yet. So that that guy's a stud, right? Yeah, he could be. He could be. Yeah, it's it, the 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 assumption, the belief is that he's going to be. But again, I, I guess I just mean that we don't know yet because we haven't seen it yet. But it doesn't hurt to just keep bringing in those guys. Right, but we know the arm the kid has, 100 miles an hour. I think they said best slider in the draft. So yeah. it's exciting to see when he arrives. I think they're they're in really good shape. I like yeah, what the pitching I saw. side. Yes. I like what I saw. Yeah. On the pitching side, I like what I saw about Trevor Rogers. I don't care what the ERA was. I think it was six. I, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at how the kid throws right. the stuff that he has Braxton Garrett, those two lefties, man, I'm yeah. telling you, those guys are, those guys no, are good. It, it says something that they thought that the kid like Rogers looked like he was a year away and mm-hmm. they've trusted him. And they said, all right, no, we think he's ready for a call up. why? Cause he developed the slider more, became a better pitch for him. And then he gets there and he sticks it out. And there's something to be said about, we didn't just send them back. We, he, he got a spot in the rotation next year, beginning of the, in spring, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a competition. Spots aren't guaranteed, but he's going to be firmly in that mix. And what you said about the Latin American market and the international market, I think is true. And that's, that's one that's completely different from, from the draft because the draft is about scouting. You know, there's an orderly process to, to this, you know, Yankees pick here, you pick there. And so you just have to evaluate these kids and you know you're going to get a turn. You have your draft board. The international yeah. market's completely different. That's about uh, what contacts do you have in the Dominican? Mm-hmm. What contacts do you have in Colombia? What contacts do you have in Venezuela? And, yeah. and, and how do you allot that money? There's, there's, there's an, a money that, you ha- that has to be allotted. And so they did make a big move to Victor Victor and his brother, right? And that hasn't, that hasn't panned out. So they Not did really, roll yeah. the dice big on a couple of Cuban kids, and that hasn't come to fruition. Whether it will eventually or not, I don't know. They they have some players right now that, again, this is far away. They're still projected maybe 2024, like Jose Salas, a shortstop they got from Venezuela. Junior Sanchez is another one. They have a few guys behind them, too. But, again, these guys, these aren't names that unless it's like, you you know, guys that are really, really the hardcore baseball junkies will know, but the common person's not going to know for a while. But that's – that's where you hope that they've hit without making such a big deal about spending so much money like they did on the Mesas that maybe these guys are the ones that really are going to be, you know, jewels for them coming up that are going to, you know, eventually get get to become starting spots. Salas could be their second baseman down the road. I mean, the kid's athletic, but he's only 17. He's still pretty far away, very raw prospect right now. Right. You know, but, and, yeah. and Osuna was a guy that did get in the international market. We saw what he did uh, this year with the Braves. Yeah. Uh, very close to getting to the World Series. So that was an example in, in uh, the previous regime where, where, where they got somebody big in the that's why like, market. Yeah, that's, why, that's why like when they say like for the first time ever they were spending, not really, not the first time ever because Cabrera was a signee, you know, Ozuna was a signee. It's just been a while since they've really dedicated those resources, but you have to. You have to continue to, to explore right. that. And, and uh, real quick, what you're saying about international scouting, a friend of ours, Jorge Ebro, who writes for the Herald, I know we've had that conversation and he's, you know, him and other people have told me that for a lot, for a while there, when you'd go down there, the Marlins were like non-existent when it, when it came to like the recognition from the local area. That's, that's a huge, that's a huge loss for them. Like for a long time, it's like to overcome that. So that's something that you hope that they're starting to be a little more visible because that's what it's all about. These kids 
that they discovered down there wanting to be, okay, I like the Marlins, I'll, I'll sign with them. Right, and some of the Latin kids they have in their system are uh, right now that are, that are big time in the system, that are there on the major league level are guys they got in trades, not the guys they signed, like Luis Diaz, like yeah. Jesus Sanchez, and, and things of that nature. And, and also you mentioned Jorge Ebru, works for El Nuevo Herald, great guy. And it, sometimes when you mention names, and I know it happens in reverse when I'm talking and you're listening, is that I have to smile because I know when you mention his name, you're it's the thing that he used to say when I would when I would come to the when he see me at the press box, he would always Guadalabe. say Water Guadalabe. Guadalabe means yeah. that he felt I was such a, a distinguished individual apparently that I was the the cleanup batter, and that's what he would say to me. So every time we mention Jorge's name, uh, we have to we have to think about that. I think. Well, every every time you call me and my phone flashes Walter Villa, immediately what do I do? Sometimes I answer and I'm like cleanup hitter. Cleanup hitter. I mean, so that's uh, that's an honor to be the cleanup hitter. But Andre, in our remaining minutes, uh, let's talk World Series. I had predicted, which actually was proud. That was a good prediction, and I really didn't give it any thought. I said Atlanta Braves, uh, based on their hitting, because it's always pitching, pitching, pitching. And and I thought, hmm, let's let's roll the dice and pick Braves. They they didn't quite make it. Um, the Dodgers and Rays. I'm gonna let you break this down. Seems to me. Well, I, I tell you what, I do not believe in, in the Tampa Rays. I, I just, I look at that, that roster. There's no, there are no stars. I know they're a great organization, but I just think it would, it should be the Dodgers. But what, what do you think? We were just talking about international scouting and I'm going to give you the Randy Arroz Arena, which we've had some fun with that last name, literally translating it to rice sand, rice arena. <laughs> but again, that's what they do. They, they, they find guys, then they, 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 it's not the biggest name. They, you know, there's the joke around baseball. Like if they're calling for your guy, you know, watch out because there's a reason then that, that, that guy's going to be good. I mean, look at the Marlins and, and the, the deal they made with them last year. They get, yeah, the Marlins got Jesus Sanchez, but guess what? Look at Nick Anderson. They got a closer out of it. And Nick Anderson was, was good here. It wasn't bad, but he wasn't that as good as he's been since he joined the Rays. I mean, he's been lights out. So, I mean, they just do it that way. And that's why I know, I know, you, I know you, what you said right now about the Rays goes back to August. I think I told you after watching them dismantle the Yankees for like the sixth time. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, I think the Rays are going to do it this year. Like, nah, nah. well, I, they just find ways to win. And, and it's a consistent, it's not a flashy lineup, but it's a consistent lineup. You know, the MVP of the ALCS, starting with him. And even now, with as brutal as this schedule has been, where you don't have a day off and you're, you know, seven straight days, they're lining up glass now, Snell and Morton to go in those first, or they can, if they want to, to go in those first three games. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. That, that's crazy. They could still go one, two, three, while the Dodgers are scrambling to, to, to potentially put three pieces like that together. I know they're going to have Kershaw in there somewhere, you know, but at the same time, it's still it's going to take them being able to mash against that really good pitching like they did against Atlanta. And that's a credit to them to flip that series when Atlanta was pitching as well as they were. Yeah. they ran out of pitching though, I think, but, um, but you mentioned Kershaw and Kershaw's history. I know from uh, uh, one of my buddies who's a big Dodgers fan, Brad Lehman, give another shout out. Um, and uh, uh, they, <laughs> Brad, Brad Lehman, but anyway, um, Kershaw has, has been un fracaso. He has been a disappointment in the playoffs, as good as he is in the regular season. Um, he just, for whatever reason, hasn't come up big, at least not yet. What do, you, what do you expect from Clayton? I mean, the way Tampa can just, you know, be patient and, 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 and grind out at bats, it's not a good formula. 
it's it's really not. I mean, I, I think that's that's a that's a especially if he goes up against Snell in game two, that's a risky. You know, I don't. I'm, I have to check how it's lined up right now. But let's say even if it's Glass now, I mean, that, to me that favors Tampa. I go back to just those three matchups are going to be, they're going to be in a position where they could take the series quickly if everything goes well in those first three games, or at least build a cushion where maybe it's a matter of them closing them out. But you know, the Dodgers, the the home run, the ability to do damage is what gets them as far as I do. You saw it with Bellinger. You know, with, with Turner, with guys like that, that just can can mash. Even Kike Hernandez had a couple, you know, the big one in the in game seven. But if that's not on, it's not that the Dodgers pitching isn't a slouch either, but just pound for pound, when you look at it with the Rays, I got it. That's where I got to give Tampa the advantage. I mean, they've, they've got it. And then the bullpen, the bullpen just lights out. I mean, completely shut down a monster lineup in the Yankees in the ALDS. I mean, had... Other than that one judge solo homer, they get nothing in game seven and a bunch of games like that. Again, that's that's where it, it may not be the flashiest of names, but they they put people in the right roles. They know how to manage their pitching. Sometimes to a point where it's almost mind-boggling. Like in that game, they took Morton out. Couldn't be a lower pitch count. I think it would have 50, not even barely 60-some pitches, and they take them out because they stick to their plan, and yet somehow it still works. I mean, it's almost it's almost frustratingly aggravating, but then you look and you're like, I can't argue with it. No soup for you is what they told the, the Yankees, right? Pretty much. I, I, I know. I, I watching that game and thinking to myself, where where did all that offense go? And yep. Well, Andre, we got about a minute left. I want to bring in a new quick subject, and it's just to get a quick comment from you as we end our show today. We'll talk more Miami Heat uh, next time out, I believe. But uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, and and I asked her about the Heat, and she said, well, uh, if we would have had Bam and we would have had Dragon, uh, we would have won that series. And that's why I asked Frankie to play that song, Whatever Gets You Through the Night, It's All Right. It's all right. That's what I told her because I said, did you watch when everybody was healthy? What happened? So I don't think it would have made a difference, or at least not in the ultimate winner. What say you? I don't know if it would have made a difference in the ultimate winner, but I think the I think we're looking at game seven if Bam is there. And at least it's a at least it's a fighting chance to 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 have that. I don't I don't think they get as mauled as they did early in the series, you know, with Bam in there. I think it flips at least one game and then who knows? Then you have a crazy scenario. You know them against LeBron. Interesting, the report that came out uh, this week too about about a, a player that you don't really. Every time we talk about who the who the, who might the Heat get, who might the Heat get, there was a report out there by uh, by Barry by Barry at the Herald saying that Denver Nuggets forward Jeremy Grant might interest the Heat, and that goes back to the conversation we had about how now the target might be adding an extra big to complement Bam. And to maybe add depth when a situation like that happens where if maybe Bam goes down. Right. But they have to pay Bam a whole truckload of money. So people don't yeah. see that. The, well, the he's going to, yeah, he's due a max contract pretty soon. Right. To retain their own players. So um, I'm not sure what, what they're, they're going to do. I know our producer, Frankie, he thinks for sure that he would have won had there been no injuries, but uh, he's uh, a little bit delusional. Uh, anyway, uh, as we say, any final thoughts, Dr. Dre, you of the great predictions? Tua gets sacked by Aaron Donald twice, wow. but also throws two touchdown passes. And who wins? Rams. Wow. Close game. Clo that's close a, game. That's a downer. That's a downer. And Fitzy comes out. My prediction, Fitzy comes out to the next game and in protest, 
he comes completely shaven while the beard is completely gone and he shaved his head. And he's just, not mad. Oh. I'll tell you, he's happy for him. The views and opinions expressed on Front Page 305 are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.